Kia ora, tālofa, hi, and welcome to episode three of Kanarumanga's Team Talk, proudly sponsored by Virtual, New Zealand's first health and wellbeing supplement that combines ancient Māori and Pacifica wisdom and ingredients. And on this episode, uh, we're fortunate to have uh, Jordan Holland uh, with us. Now, I've got a bit of a you know lead-in, but Mate, you've uh, you've been jumping around all over the place. We've been trying to tie this uh, this chat down for a few days, and part of it was my fault. And uh, then all of a sudden, you uh, you're, you're changing uh, house houses and bubbles, and you know all those kind of things. Can you just run us through that? Oh, mate. Hey, first of all, uh, cheers, cheers for having me on, Tate. It's, it's a pleasure to be here, mate, and it's uh, yeah, bloody good to see you. Um, but yeah, I've been all, been all, all over the place, mate. Just uh, been stuck down in Auckland and. Um, yeah, locked down there, and, and and unfortunately, haven't been with my team uh, up in Whangarei and stuff. And I managed to get up there for a few days and stuff. And then uh, yeah, there was a bit of a hiccup around the exemptions and stuff like that, as you might have seen. Um, and then headed back to Auckland, got stuck down there for a couple of weeks, and then uh, just been trying trying my heart out to to get back up with the team and stuff like that. They, they had a couple of games there, um, a good one against Waikato. And then, uh, yeah, headed up to Whangarei, and the day that I headed up, uh, um, Whangarei got, and, and the whole of the north got locked down with that, that COVID case, so we were on a bus at, at 9.30pm and, and heading uh, down to Tauranga, and so I've been in, uh, up to Whangarei and then down to Tauranga, we got down about 4.30 in the morning, uh, AM, down to Tauranga, been in isolation then, uh, through till now, uh, we were still waiting on a couple of results to, to get out and and get out and train and stuff. So she's been a pretty hectic few weeks there. Jeez. You've been trying to outrun COVID, literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying my best, mate. It's just, it's, I still can't escape it for some reason. Oh, no, no. no. Oh, I see that there's uh, another case in, in Kati Kati, or there was a, a bit of a scare there as well. So it's it's still following you around. It's not far, mate. We could be on the move. We could be on the move again. Jeez. Oh, jeez! Um, it's just yeah, it's just one of those one of those things that we're just kind of we're just got to wait and see and roll with the punches and hopefully we don't have to move. But um, if it's anything like Whangarei and it does get moved into some type of isolation, we may have to move south again. Is that right? Yeah. So um, yeah, it's it's a, yeah. I mean, it's just what you got to expect, really. I think COVID's thrown out some punches and stuff that everyone's kind of been caught off guard with, and it's just um, yeah, rolling with them and hopefully. Making it all work. Oh, you're definitely rolling with them. Uh, yeah. you, you might be able to roll all the way down south somewhere, try and get away from it. <laughs> yeah, no, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Uh, so uh, we'll talk around. Obviously, you've been with the Blues. You've been with the Highlanders. Uh, bit of Maori All Black. Uh, some some great accomplishments there. Uh, can you just tell us, you know, where it all started and a bit about? yourself and your background please yeah sure i um born and bred on the on the north shore of auckland um and just around the the browns bay area just just around the bays here uh, mom and dad um i have a half sister and stuff and uh yeah grew up there playing for the mighty east coast bays um rugby club uh all the junior stuff and right through to uh high school we went to westlake boys um Third form right through to seventh form. Um, geez, it wasn't the best two uh, with the um, books and all that sort of thing, and I kind of got by. I wasn't an A student by any 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 shot, but um, I kind of got by. And then yeah, obviously just playing rugby is 
best of my ability. Won a couple of championships with Westlake, um, 2005, 2006. Um, did a couple of wins there, but we couldn't really beat any of the Auckland teams and stuff. Unfortunately, they're just a little bit out of our league. Uh, and then 2007, um, yeah, yeah, finished up school and then uh, just headed straight over to the to the Auckland comp. I didn't hang around any of the North Harbour Rugby Club stuff and that after school. Um, picked up a bit of a, a bit of an Auckland Academy stint there and uh, playing for Auckland Marist. Um, played through the first year was Colts, then rolled into the Prems and stuff like that and then uh, got a bit of a IT, ITM wider uh, contract with Canterbury um, a couple of years into the to the Auckland stuff. So I rolled down there, um, hoping to sink my teeth into a bit, a bit of provincial football. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, I had a, had a few bad injuries in my younger day, um, rolling into the late teens, early 20s, you know, bad fractures of ankles and ACLs and uh, which kept me out for, you know, yeah, three to four years kind of thing. So he had a bit of a rough stint there. Um, on the flip side, though, I ended up getting a, a drain lang apprenticeship. And uh, when I was down in Christchurch down there, uh, me and my partner were down there. Uh, well, my wife now the partner at the time. And, uh, yeah, rolled into a drain lang apprenticeship down there, nutted that out and stuff like that. And then um, ended up rolling up to the mighty north, uh, got a bit of a look in with um, Tim Hurst, who was uh, one of the trainers that I knew from down at the uh, Canterbury Academy that I ended up kind of kicking around with. Um, become the trainer up north and kind of said, look, mate, you should have a look at getting back up here after I come back from my ACL problems and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, the rest is really history. I ended up rolling up north and left my partner down in Christchurch. And Yeah, we headed up and I played a couple of years in the in the midfield up and up for the Tunnies, 12 to 13, which was a little bit of a, a move for me. I think I lost a bit of pace with my old ACL injuries and stuff like that. So <laughs> had it the head of the midfield a little bit. And then, um, yeah, just kept on just kept on going with the, with the Northern Rugby and just ended up loving it, loving the environment. Um, first two years were pretty rough. We had, uh, geez, I think we lost 19 games out of 20 in the first two years that I was up there. So it was a rough year with the, with the Northland, but I think it was just the, the environment and all the, all the guys and stuff like that, they really kept pulling me back. Um, so I ended up going back to Christchurch, doing my drain lane in between uh, provincial rugby and stuff. And then um, my partner moved over to Sydney. She moved over to Sydney. She got um, stuck into recruitment down in, in Christchurch and she moved over to Sydney to set up a, a recruitment company for a boss over in Sydney and, and mainly there. Uh, so she rolled over there and then I kept playing for Northland and um, yeah, rolled through to uh, 2000 and I think yeah, 2018 uh, might have been when uh, yeah, you know, you're at the helm with the Blues there and gave me a bit of a, the old player replacement gig, which was absolutely fantastic. It kind of caught me off guard and um, yeah, just sunk my teeth into that as best I could and stuff and, and got a few good games there, which I was pretty stoked about. Then kept on the back of that roll back into the Tunnies uh, season and then geez what come after that I think the season after that was uh, another player replacement gig with the Highlanders uh, after the provincial stuff so I went down south um, and at that point uh, with me and the partner had set up a, um, a recruitment company she'd come back from Sydney and we'd set up a, a recruitment company then and then um, 
Uh, yeah, did the season with the um, the Highlanders there, which was which was brilliant. Had a lovely time down there and and, and played some pretty good footy. I was quite happy about. Went nice tour to South Africa and stuff. And then uh, yeah, the Maldives get popped up. So at the end of that season, I, I got a look in with the with the Maldives, which I was I was pretty shocked about to be fair. Um, and then got two tests there against Fiji. And then on the back of that, then, uh, yeah, got a, a phone call from um, Tony Hanks asking me if I'd come and hop back over to the Blues, which I was pretty stoked about. Good to see you again there, T, roll yeah. back in there. And, and uh, yeah, always had a great season. And, and, and um, geez, it was on the back of the, uh, you know, lockdown, a few testing times there and stuff. You know, COVID started rolling in and really getting stuck into the country and that. And, uh, and yeah, just rolled back into to Northland after that and, and been there since. So, um, yeah, it's been a bit of an up and down and roller coaster kind of ride, but um, it's been it's been fantastic. Certainly, you've got to enjoy rugby while you're there and I've tried to make the most of it while I can. Yeah, you can see that uh, you are. You're, you've been following that, that pathway all over the place to get the opportunities because I, I remember I thought you came from Christchurch because that was my first uh, first uh, where I came across you. And I was surprised when I was you know, just getting doing a little bit of research that you uh, for this for our chat that you actually went to Westlake. Yeah, <laughs> oh, man, I've been all over the place, mate, just chasing code all over the country. <laughs> well, you're doing well. You're doing well. You've uh, you've experienced a few environments there. What's the what's the thing that keeps pulling you back to the culture of um, Northland? You know the Tanifas and. Uh, what is the difference you've come across in terms of the blues, you know, with us and, uh, well, you know, us when we were there and, and, uh, and the Highlanders? Um, I think the, the, the big draw card that everyone kind of notices with the Northland is, is this kind of uh, a relaxed um, environment they have up there, you know, kind of got the best, best of the weather. Um, we've got, you know, nice warm weather and stuff like that and, and, and everything at your mercy in regards to the beaches and stuff like that. I think downtime, that's a big bonus for the for the union and stuff that kind of keeps drawing me back. But I think rugby stuff and around the culture, uh, as you mentioned, it's just, it's a very humble culture. I think no one's no one's bigger than the team. Um, no matter kind of where you come from or what background you have or who you've played for, you know, in, in a nice possible way you've played you know the likes of Ranger and stuff. You play for the All Blacks. You've um, we've got guys from kind of all over the place and all um, depth of rugby, um, but they all seem to be on the same level. Um, and no one's kind of bigger than the team. And it's just something about that environment. I don't know what it is exactly, but it just just seems to just it creates just such a good environment. Um, there's a lot of humour. A lot of sarcasm, a lot of piss take, you know, like it's it's very, very heavy in that regard. Um, but I think boys that come from outside like myself, obviously to the area, kind of gauge just the the feeling about it, you know, the warmth and the, and the, and the sarcasm, but the relaxed state, you know, not all the, all the time when you're training and all that sort of stuff, but it's just the moment that training finishes and stuff like that, the environment that's there is just very family feeling, very family orientated, very humbling. And I think it's just something that that I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I think coming from, you know, a uh, a background with you know down in Auckland where it's full noise and it's just um, all going. You know, you've got a lot of um, I know within my family and stuff. You know, my father owns a business and my um, 
in-laws and stuff own a business and it's all go, 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 very serious and stuff like that. And sometimes they just forget to switch off. Um, and that's what I get up there is, that, you know, the time that it's not business time, the switch off uh, button is, is, yeah, it's very good and it just keeps drawing me back. Plus the lads are brilliant. You know, all the guys up there are brilliant. They're all pretty stellar guys. So, um, yeah, it keeps it keeps drawing you back for sure. That's when I noticed that you weren't up in uh, Northland is when, uh, you know, you had a good uh, win against uh, Waikato and you know, all for the old fella, uh, Reno Ranger. And they did the haka yeah. at the end. And I was looking at yeah. you, I don't see uh, Jordy. I wonder where Jordy is. <laughs> I was stuck in Auckland, mate. I don't know whether the buddy, uh, you know, be celebrating and jumping through the roof or bloody crying. Or I just didn't really know. I wanted to be there so badly. And I think the fact that, uh, you know, I potentially got comms that I might have been up there that day. And then they come through in the morning that I wasn't allowed to go across the border kind of thing. That something had happened. And, geez, it was just a, a, a kind of emotional bloody roller coaster that day. You know, I was, I was so chuffed and I was so stoked for, for Rooster to get his hundy and stuff and for the boys to get such a good win. But at the same time, I was so emotional I couldn't be there. So, it was a, yeah, it was, it was a weird one. Um, but on the back of that, you know, like, you know, with the question in regards to the, the you know, like the environment and stuff like that, um, it is, you know, because you keep going draw back to that culture and stuff like that, we are very tight and stuff like that. And I think there's a big difference between that environment too and the, you know, the super rugby environment too. You know, there's, there's a lot more demand in the super rugby environment with professionalism. Not saying that the Tunnies aren't professional, but I think because you've got full-time athletes all year round that are playing rugby, you know, instead of your, your half-half kind of thing, you've got half... Um, you know, semi-professionalism. So it's only for that four months and stuff like that. There's a big, big difference. Um, there's a lot of guys that are, I don't know, just built uh, mentally, you know, whether they're, you know, in that All Blacks squad or they're full-time Super Rugby players or it's their first time and stuff like that. You can tell, you can feel the environment shift in regards to professionalism. Um, and it's a big, big thing. It's quite, um, you know, it can be quite daunting at, at first when you do get into that environment. But at the same time, if there's, you know, with the Blues and, and with the Highlanders, because you have guys there from all different stages in their rugby career and stuff like that, um, and then you've got, you know, your older guys and stuff like that, it's, it becomes uh, something that you have to, um, in order to survive, you kind of have to be able to um, shift from being in that semi-professional to that professional environment very quickly mindset wise if you know what I mean so mm. um, but yeah it's, it's a big big shift you know mentally with the amount of detail with the amount of um, I suppose book work and stuff like that you have to do you know like your homework doesn't stop when you go from being at training and stuff like that when you go home you know you, you still have to be doing your homework you have to be doing everything more recovery more this and because to be honest the load is the load is higher the speed is higher um the thinking is, is a hell of a lot more and you know like it, it, it did catch me off guard a little bit I have to be completely honest with you with the first minute of the environment how much detail there was um, so there's a big shift and, and, and I think that Blues culture is, is pretty awesome like I, I had a, a hell of a good time um, going from you know guys that are set from one area and then you have you know guys from Auckland guys from North Harbour then you have your Northland guys in that, in that Blues environment and then you've got your other boys that are contracted from outside of the country um, and it's the best thing about rugby is when you come in together, how your environment 
um, what your environment is like when you have all these different people from different parts of the country and even you know, like you said, you know, um, that last year that was with the Blues, you know, you got Joe Marchant coming over from the UK and so like, you got people from all aspects of life and, and different places and stuff, but you all come together as a team that's pretty cool and I think the Blues environment do that very well. Um, I had a pretty pretty awesome time those couple of years that I was, that I was with you down there and, and it's, um, yeah, it's a pretty excelling, um, pretty exciting environment, that Blues environment. Um, had a pretty awesome time there. Oh. And then the Highlanders, on the other hand, you know, they're it's a, it's it's you know still that same, you know, like it's super rugby. You've got your you know all your all your top guys in there and stuff like that. But it's just that I think it's just a different environment down there, in regards to I think it's the size of the place that I think makes all these different like uh, franchises a bit different. Like there's not as much travel. There's um, you know, like it's a far smaller place and in regards to getting together and doing things outside of rugby, off the field and stuff like that, it's a hell of a lot easier. You know, you've got guys that are only 10 minutes away and 10 to 15, 20 minutes away in, in all areas of Dunedin and stuff like that. So I think doing little things like that makes, sometimes makes it a bit easier. Um, and I think the cold can make it a little bit, little bit, I don't know, Just it just makes it a little bit better too. Everyone wants to be together. Everyone wants to be, you know, inside doing things together and it's just... I don't know, it's just a little bit different, mate. It does make it a little bit different. But then I think there's a, yeah, in regards to um, yeah, that cold weather, you know, you get drawn to a few places, fireplaces and stuff like that, you know, predominantly pubs and stuff like that, which is which is quite cool. So, um, yeah, look, they're all different environments, eh? And I mm. think they've all got something special about them, um, which I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed, you know, whether it's the people, um, certain cultures that they have, um, and, you know, from aspects of people coming together within that team um, from all, all different places and stuff like that. And um, I don't know, yeah, it's just a mixed bag, but it's, I think that rugby environment, no matter where you go, is a pretty special environment, especially when you, you're doing it for a job. Pretty awesome. Yeah, it's for you especially too, you know, what you talked about being a replacement player and all of a sudden have to up, you know, uproot yourself, you move in, uh, find a place down there. So where, where did you stay in? In uh, Dunedin, and who just I've, I've, I've got, I've got, I'm quite lucky. I had um, all my mum's cider from down there, oh. so I've got a lot of cousins and aunties and, and and uncles and stuff like that that I could just, you know, in a heartbeat just give a call to. So I stayed with my cousin um, Oren, um and his family, and um, was brilliant there, uh, based just around like kind of Green Island, mm. uh, around there, and it's just. You know, Ten minutes into town, and they had a you know they got a beautiful, nice new home. So it was super warm and a fireplace roaring. And um, Auntie was bloody making me meals every night. And oh, geez, it was oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, they were they were they were so accommodating. It was unbelievable. So um, yeah, it was it was just a bit of a score in that regard, getting down there and stuff. And it was cool to catch up with a lot of the um, family and stuff that I haven't seen for a while uh, on Mum's side. It was quite cool. And then predominantly, the funny thing was is that um, that's where I learned a lot about. The history in regards to the Maori side of the family, yeah. the two side that that it's, it's comes from, and um, found a book, you know, in the bookcase and stuff about all the family history and stuff like that. So it was quite funny that what come after Highlands with the, the you know the, the Maori's gig and stuff like that. I actually was able to do a bit of research about it prior to that gig, so it actually worked out quite good. <laughs> <laughs> Did work out for you, didn't it? Uh, but how did you cope with the cold of you? You know, you're from up here, you go to Northland, they're, they're not cold places usually. Nah, mate. Oh, yeah, definitely caught me a bit off guard. 
some of those frosts in the morning, mate. Holy heck, I went in with about three or four layers and the boys were giving me all sorts of looks. Um, rolling down there with a bloody big hunting and fishing Northland jacket, stuff like that. The boys are going, geez, mate, it's not even that cold outside, but gee, it catches you off guard, mate. Geez, it does catch you off guard. It's um, it's a different different world, I think. You just have to wear a little bit more more laser training, mate. It's pretty yeah. much how you, how you deal with it. Track pants were the go for me. Keep the pins warm and I was good as gold. The replacement players, it's a tough gig, as I said before. Can you talk us through that? You know, what does that consist of? Um, I think it's just been, you know, like if there's a, a player that goes down within, you know, a fully contracted player, it's just um, being that kind of next cab off the ranks or, or if, you know, the next cab off the rank wasn't available, it's, it's someone that can kind of just, jump in and they're there and, and, and pretty much just get stuck and it's it's a, it is reasonably hard but I think for like anyone that's been called in as a replacement player you're so keen at any chance you get given so you just make it work like for me it was it was dropping at the time I think I was, geez, I was doing some work with my my wife also but then I was doing drain laying at the same time and, and a good mate of mine Sean who I'm actually doing some work for now is um, runs a drain laying and earth moving company. And I was doing some work for him and it was just giving him the phone call that, that day going, look, mate, I've got to bloody, I've got to go. I've, um, I've been asked to, to, you know, go into that blues environment and you know that, you know, rugby is number one for me kind of thing. So um, I know it puts you out, but it's just the negotiation with, the, with your employers. But I think if you're working for someone that knows you you you're a rugby player. If you're working for someone that, um, even when you're doing that provincial stuff, you're doing half a year working with them. It's it's being able to drop it and go in, and then being completely okay with it, no matter what. If it puts them out and stuff like that, they're willing to shuffle the deck to make things work. But um, if you're working for a, a good employer like my mate Sean, he was just like, look, man, I know rugby's your thing, so just yep, go and make it work. Just make sure you get some tickets. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, I think it's just it's just being being willing to adapt with those player replacements. Like you don't know if it's for a week, uh, you don't know if it's for eight weeks, you don't know if it's for the rest of the season. Like you, I mean, you get given a bit of communication, obviously governed by the, the injury of the player that's been put out. But um, you just have to be willing to try to go in there and, and best you put your best foot forward and make, try and make a statement or try and do something just to really push your case in regards to, you know, actually getting yourself a spot. Um, you're not there to just kind of make up the numbers, really. And, and my point of view is that player replace you. You know, you want to go and it's just like being given your first shot or your first Super Rugby contract. You kind of want to go on and make a difference and just try and uh, adapt to the environment and get yourself com- most comfortable as soon as possible. Um, and I know it's, it, it, it must be tough from a, from a coach's point of view. Like, obviously, sometimes I think about the coach's point of view. You know, you look, you know, you've got someone that's gone down. You want someone to come in and and add um, to your training environment. You really want, you know, your players being pushed. Um, but you also sometimes it's, it could be a hard kettle of fish too. I suppose as a, as a coach, when I thought about it, like you, you don't know what you're going to get out of that player when he comes into the environment. If he's going to thrive potentially, like he may have done at the provincial level, or um, you know, or if he's going to be a little bit out of out of his depth or something like that. It must be quite hard on who you bring in as well. So. Um, yeah, I think it's just hard for you. It's it's a tough situation for everyone, really. Um, but it's it's all part of all part of rugby. I think that's what makes you um, 
so uh, how would I say? Uh, you know, it, it's, you raise your stocks, the, your mindset and your attitude to your opportunities. Geordie, you're right. It is tough. Uh, as coaches, you do a lot of homework because, as you said, you want them to come in and add value straight away. Uh, you, mm. The first thing, you want them to be fit because yeah. they haven't done all the uh, the hard work before. You want to make sure they're in good condition and, you know, you, you obviously do that. And also, like, coming in and not just being happy to be there, you know. Yeah. As you said, you yeah, this is my chance and I'm going to give it everything I've got for the one, the two, the five weeks that I'm here. And the other side of that too is, well, if I don't get a chance, oh, I'm happy, I'm, you know, I'm just going to support the team. You know, that's yeah, the other side of you, Julia. You're a, you're a bloody good team man who always puts the team first. So, you know, when I always take my hat off to uh, yourself and, and replacement. It is a hard gig, as you said. You have to give up, make that commitment and sacrifice to yeah. an opportunity that could be, you know, is, is could be short. You don't know if you don't know how your attitude is around that is uh, is what you know is what I commend. And um, the other side of that too is not it's not as if it's when you have to go back when it's all finished. You got to go back to work. Hey, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You know, and yeah, if you don't have that, to, um, uh, not just leave yourself a loop. Yeah, and if you don't have that understanding, you know, boss, and we've had that sometimes when. <laughs> I thought, oh, geez, if you go, that's it. You know, I can't, I can't um, keep it open for you. And some guys have had to make that commitment. Um, but you know, that's yeah, that's just the way it works at the moment. You know, and you know, I think the other things that can come along with it, which uh, you've been very a big advocate for, is around the professional development. Yeah, you've done well there. You've even spoken to some of the players as a as a as a guest speaker. Yeah. I think it catches you a little bit, um, a little bit off guard um, when you go from. Obviously, I kind of did it like a, a really different pathway, I suppose, a, mm. a slightly kind of old school pathway, if you know what I mean. Like doing the work kind of before the professional rugby um, comes. You know, like the boys are getting snatched up left, right, and centre. You know, from a young age and stuff, and having that pathway right from when they come out of school and stuff. So it's a little bit harder to experience, you know, like the, the work side and stuff like that when your job is rugby right from the get-go, um, which is obviously the dream, you know, like, mm. you know, it's the dream for anyone um, because rugby is your dream. And if you get to do it from a job from the get-go, it's um, it's a massive achievement. It's an awesome lifestyle. Um, but I think from seeing what goes into a day-to-day life with, you know, a trade or, um, you know, in the working world and then coming from that into a professional rugby environment to see what's involved in that. Obviously, there's a hell of a lot of work, a lot of physical strain, a lot of, a lot of mental strain. I think there's a hell of a lot more mental side um, in regards to, you know, everything that goes into a professional rugby player than people actually think. Um, it, it's a hard job. It's mm. a really hard job. Um, but there is a lot of downtime. I, you know, a lot of downtime I felt with that you know, your regeneration days and recovery days and stuff like that, you could be just doing that that little bit extra towards your professional um, career and your life outside of rugby kind of thing when it finishes and just... Um, so I think with the, the couple of talks that I did with the boys, it was just making sure that you're making use of that time that you did have, um, you know, making sure that, number one, your body's right because, you know, if your body 
and mind don't write in rugby, then it does make it very, very hard because you you know your body's a temple, your body's your, your money maker kind of thing. So um, there's nothing that out, but also just putting a bit of thought into into your time um, is what I was the biggest advocate for from going from that uh, trade world into into professional rugby, and it's just yeah, I kind of felt there would be you know there's a there's a few boys out there that just don't make use of that time enough, and that was just a big driver that um, I did the first couple of times I had a, had a talk to the lads. And they responded bloody well, I think. Um, especially for the boys that, you know, have gone rugby's all they've known, if you know mm. what I mean, in regards to work. Um, so it's, it's a it's a it's a tough one. It's pretty cool at the same time. Um, because there is a lot of a lot of good stuff out of professional athlete that can be transferred into a into a business person or, you know, someone in, out, out in the workforce. Um a lot of huge attributes that a professional sport can add um, that will, that you gain from professional sport or, or what you know a professional athlete has naturally in their toolbox. Obviously, to become a professional athlete, it can be transferred into uh, to business and work and what sort of stuff. It's pretty cool. So it's just been a um, yeah, been a big driver in that. I think it was something that I was keen on. Time management, eh? Some of our uh, our young guys they do. Manage their time poorly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like yeah. you say, it's just what they know. It's what they're used to. They haven't um, had to work in the in the pure sense, you know, the nine to five. Yeah. Uh, and it'll have to come to a stage when they'll have to realise that you, know, you can't play the game all your life. Um, and what am I going to do next? And it's better to start thinking about that at the time rather than when it's actually finished. Yeah. Hundred percent. Now, you've started uh, the business with your wife, Apex Recruitment. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> How's that all going? How did it start? Uh, it, yeah, it's it's definitely the wife's career. Like you know, it's it's um it's what she's very good at. It's what she started off down in Christchurch. I did my drain lane thing. Um, so she she got a good good amount of experience with that down in Christchurch church after the earthquakes and stuff like that obviously a lot of uh work that was going on a lot of repair work and stuff so there's a lot of construction stuff going on so that was the, that's the line of the work that our uh, recruitment company's based in, and that's what george has been doing the whole time um she went away to sydney as as i mentioned and, and started up a company for her, uh her boss over there so she gained a lot of skills in regards to you know setting up a business and running it pretty much kind of getting it tracking all by herself you know she got really thrown in the deep end there so um she gained a lot of skills from that and it was the point where i was up playing for northland and stuff and she was kind of over the long distance thing and she's like look i want to come home so i said beauty what do you you know what's the plan what are we going to do work-wise all that sort of thing so she's just like oh you know i'm thinking you know recruitment i'm quite happy doing it and then it was just pretty much just a just an idea that i just said look just do your own we should just do our own thing you know um there's there's a bit of bit of a push that i suppose come from both of our parents owning their own company and and kind of seeing how you know once you develop it and once you get it running the way you want to you know that the bit of not so much freedom but you just get a little bit of flexibility in regards to the lifestyle and you know how you want to schedule your days in and stuff like that if you know, you, something comes up, you can kind of duck away knowing that you're the boss and and all that sort of thing. So a lot of that was a bit of a, a draw card. Um, so I just said to her, look, come home. And that started in, uh, geez, 
four four years ago. So 2017, I think. 2017 was, uh, yeah, we, we started it up and just we sold our house down in Christchurch and all the little bit of money we made off that, we, um, yeah, just went out and got the got the truck and got it sign written and um, we're looking for an office. So we jumped in just a bit of an office space of the old man's he had at the top of his plumbing company's bloody office. We just jumped in there and, and then yeah, Georgia kind of just started ringing up all the um, old clients and stuff that she had down in Christchurch and seeing if any of them moved up to Auckland and uh, any contacts that they had in regards to the construction and friends that were project managers and site managers, a few of the old man's contacts, um, just anyone that we knew within the construction industry that we kind of just, just jumped at saying, hey, do you need any labourers? Do you need any hammer hands? Do you need any carpenters? And it was just... Um, yeah, it was kind of, we just went, to be fair, mate. Look, it was just uh, um, gather as much info as we could from, you know, all the people around us that, that own businesses and stuff like that on how to how to run them and, and key strategies and, you know, just basic fundamentals. And it was just starting from the get-go. So we started with one worker and um, advertised on Facebook and, and just did all your, your general business things without spending a huge amount of money, if you know what I mean, because we start up and, and yeah, to be fair, look, I, I, it's something that I've I've been pretty proud of with with Georgia. You know, she's definitely the main driver within it. You know, I've I've helped out as much as I could in the back end, just doing all the the little bits behind the scenes. But um, she's definitely the main driver and the, and the brains behind everything, mate. So um, it's there's yep. credits uh, there. Sometimes I um, you know, I I look to to take sometimes when it pops up, but. And mate, she's she's definitely the she's definitely the kingpin behind it all, and it's yeah, it's going well. Look, it's um obviously COVID throws a few curveballs and everything, but um I think the biggest thing that that we've learnt with these COVID, if you kind of go in strong to the COVID and you kind of have you know all your ducks in a row and a, a bit of a bit of a backup there, then you kind of come out strong. So it's um yeah, no, it's it's going pretty pretty good. It's actually the last couple of months have been. Uh, a weird one, just with obviously the Delta. There's another lockdown and stuff, but we've the last couple of weeks have been pretty pretty positive. So it's um yeah, it's good. Got a few staff there and and and, and just trucking along nicely actually. Is your inspirational uh, Geordie? I'm just going through that. You know, as we talked about, we missed a we missed a few uh, few chat times because you know one thing yourself you're trying to get out of Auckland, and I'm I was trying to sell my house at level three. <laughs> She's... <laughs> <laughs> the timing of it, eh? Oh, the timing oh, of lockdown, I'll tell you. Yeah, we went, we we're about to go onto the market and then we went into lockdown. You can't do anything. So Man. had to wait till level three. And and then when you got to level three, you have to be out of your house for people to see it. And so they can only. <laughs> yeah. so, oh, you're, you you're not supposed to be out of your house. Yeah, that's there. right. That's a tough one. <laughs> and you can't go visit anyone. So, you know, we were having. We're going parking up at uh, the Auckland Domain and just sitting there for five hours, <laughs> so they can have the uh, open homes and get, get us, oh, you know, just all the, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> you what you have to do to try and, um, you know, get through and make do in COVID times. You just have to adapt. And listening to you, I, I thought I had a tough, and I thought, oh, why is this happening to me? You know, and listening to you as well. <laughs> Some people have, are doing it tougher than I am. Um, yeah, but it does make you grateful, and just you know, just listening to you say that, you know, that commitment, you know, to go into business, you know, when you did that, 
Is that what you wanted? You just said, like, this is us. We're, you know, if we're in, we're, we're 100%. That's who you are, though, isn't it, isn't it, Jordan? 100%. Oh, yeah. You just, well, it was kind of make the decision, yeah, and as you said, just just kind of run with it. And um, I, th- I think when you throw, when you commit to something like that, and you, you obviously throw a bit of money at it, and then there's there's also the the pressure of, of um, you know, making it happen mm. uh, and making it successful. And um, when you do have people around you that, you know, are running successful businesses and family members and, and all that sort of stuff, you know, it's just um, you don't really have the choice to, in a nice way, kind of screw up, if you know what I mean. You kind of just make it work. Um, mm. And I, yeah, I, I suppose there's just, you know, for anyone that is kind of was going into business that had done the sport thing, I, yeah, as I mentioned before, there's a lot of good stuff that you, you take from um, sport into business that I, I found as, as being pretty massive. Like, like I mean, uh, I think that the, like the competitiveness thing, like it's like almost like a motivator. Um, you know, competition's a motivator um within sport and stuff like that we all compete against people you know it's whether you're in a team or individual so um the competition's kind of always motivated me and my wife so um that's a big thing i think that we transferred um in that space with the business and stuff like that you know there's always going to be bigger companies and um you know there's you know with a lot more budgets and bigger money and better resources and stuff like that but it's just it's still it's still a motivator to be just as good or, or you know compete against them and not um just bend over and just kind of you know get screwed kind of thing so it's just um you, you just yeah you just keep fighting and i think that's a it's a big thing with sport and um and always practice always practicing uh and trying to master your craft is another thing too i think you take from sport um there's a, you know, there's a lot of adaption I think that you need to to take from um, you know in business and stuff like that. Whether it's you know your your things like your technology and all that sort of stuff. You're obviously going from you know pen and paper through to a computer. If you know if you're like me and terrible on a computer and stuff like that, it's adapting to that. Learning from you know catching a ball to bloody typing on a computer is it was a pretty big hurdle for me. So. Um, you know, just learning to adapt and things like that. And I think that's one massive thing you get within rugby, as you'd know, mate. You know, there's a lot of situations, a lot of, you know, ways that games turn and stuff like that where you've got to change your tactics or, um, you know, you have to change your way of thinking, especially when you come under pressure. And that's that's another thing that happens in business. So it's just being able to adapt and, um, you know, roll with the punches, just like this COVID thing, just like, you know, the house sale and all that, mate. It's just, um, you know, just making it work when you do adapt um, and it's yeah it's, it's just not wanting to fail mate and none of us want to fail so you know as you'd know uh, being a competitor and stuff like that, doing the sport thing you know you're out to win so I think it's just the same in the business you still get injured in this business thing um, I, I've just noticed that uh, I've got R- <laughs> I've just developed RSI in one of my in my wrist holy heck <laughs> <laughs> trying to learn how to type I'm sure that's what it is <laughs> Couple tunnel boy, <laughs> holy heck! <laughs> oh, um, and also having that um, that network of business people. You you talked about your family that that must have helped heaps. You know, just someone to talk about and, and bounce ideas off. You talk around uh, not failing uh, yet. So sometimes you've just got to go out there and walk and and, and fail, and so you can learn from it. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think yeah, if you do fail. You know, and 
I think that's probably the biggest thing within rugby, mate. It's just um, you know you, you learn from you. You know you you have a crack. You you throw that pass or you you know you drop the the, the pull on the foot and and dribble in behind and you know it's just things you do. You got to have a crack. You got to back yourself, mate. But yeah, as you see, if you fail, Jesus, the best learn the best way to learn, isn't it? Mm. You know, you just um, you just, just don't do it again. Or if you do do it again, you do it differently so it doesn't have the same result. It's just um, yeah, I think it's and that's just it's just a massive key. I think yeah, once again that you can take from any aspect of life is you got to be willing to give it a crack. So you started in uh, Apex recruitment in 2017. You were with the Blues. Mm-hmm. 2018 and 2019, and I remember, you know, on uh, I think one of our afternoons off, you uh, you had to take off straight away because something happened at work. How was it oh, yeah. trying to run a business as well as as you know you're a professional rugby player? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a it's a whirlwind. I think it's um the time management, as you mentioned, I think is a, the biggest part of it. Um, is is Sticking to a schedule and being able to schedule properties, I think it's a huge thing. Like obviously within the rugby side of it, especially that super rugby environment, it's, it's very organised, it's very scheduled, you know, all that sort of stuff's done for you. So um, I think the hardest thing was just with the curveballs and stuff, you know, with like business things popping up and stuff like that, it's just being able to go, geez, you know, look, I've got this, this and this scheduled in for the day. We've got training finishing here. I've got half an hour to have a shower and then I need a boost off the work kind of thing. It's it's a bit of a a, a scramble. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing that I had, which was obviously a bonus, was the wife there pretty much running running the helm while I was away at rugby and, and stuff like that, which was which was pretty awesome. Um so I think the support support system um that you build and stuff in those situations, especially when you've got other things going on besides the business and stuff like that, is probably is your biggest key element to having the succession, I think, is just your, your support crew. It's just like having a, a, a footy teammate, all your other players around you, you know, and having um, your day one fans and stuff like that. It's just like having it's your support crews, everything. So I think if you can have people, someone and people to, um, you know, help you out in tough times and bounce ideas off and, and, and be able to delegate for you and all that thing, thing then, uh, you can make things happen. Um, but yeah, mate, it was tough, especially as you mentioned that day when, geez, we had some silly bugger do something stupid on site and, mm. and oh man, it was, um, yeah, she was a big day out, pretty much shut the whole site down and it was, it was you know, you look and you start just seeing bloody dollar signs in your eyes go as soon as the site shuts down and, and it's all because of, you know, your worker and stuff like that, just um, not really doing things that you should be doing and it's just, um, oh mate, but yeah, I think. If you can communicate it and stuff like that, like like I did that day with um, you know you, you you coaches and stuff like that, which really helped me out. It's just um, yeah, just being able to quickly get out of there and and sort it out, which was which we've got it all sorted, which was fantastic. But yeah, it's certainly not easy. But I think that the the, the biggest part to making it work is is the the um, the scheduling mm. um, and just using your time wisely. I think. Um, but also, I suppose you 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 got to be willing to do it as well. Like, mate, you're pretty exhausted on the back end of a big day, buddy, and the training and stuff like that, and being able to you know mentally keep going and, and stuff like that with the work and stuff. But when it's your when it's your passion and it's it's your um, your name on the uh, 
underneath director on the company and stuff like that and it's it's your kind of lifeline then you you just need to make it work i suppose you, know, you don't really have a choice you can't really um muck around in a nice possible way you just got to make it work mate and it's it's definitely been a, a pretty awesome uh roller coaster um i enjoy being busy so i think you know having that something to go to um after training or um you know after rugby at the end is, is pretty cool too um and on the back of that too, it's just. I think when you're in the when you're in that professional rugby environment, obviously, the money and stuff starts getting better. You know, um, potentially just depending on what you're doing for a job and all that sort of stuff. But the the money can be good. So on the back end of that, it's also the mentality of thinking, well, I'm earning pretty good money now. The last thing I want to do is leave that environment with the rugby and all that sort of stuff. And then my pay and my, you know, the money coming in significantly drop because I've got to start from scratch. Mm. You know, you want to, in the way that me and the and, and my wife thought it was like, if you're making this good money now, why not do the work while you, you know, in your spare time or, or whatever you want to do with your study or you know a trade or something like that, so you can come out and carry on making the good money, so you don't have to. Um, change your lifestyle too much, if you know what I mean, in regards to what you're well, not so much what you're spending, but just you know the way that you want to do things. Yeah. Um, so that was a big kind of factor in the way that I thought about it too. You know, you just want to carry on having that good money coming in and stuff like that. Um, I didn't want a significant drop and then have to be worried about that in, in the nicest possible way. Um, so yeah, it's all about kind of setting things up. Yeah. Was a big driver in that. I think. You know, the other side too, in terms of what else, you know, obviously the money-wise is great footy, but also the learnings in terms of, you know, the opportunities for the professional development um, opportunities from the New Zealand Players Association. Can you t- can you talk about what, what resources you were able to access, you know, when you're a part of the programs or you are part of the programs? I th- uh, the, so I think they, they do pretty well with those. Obviously, each team has uh, the player development uh, manager, which is someone that's kind of dedicated to um, and paid to be there to help help the players out as much as as, mm-hmm. as they can in regards to developing their you know career outside of rugby or get them thinking about putting their money in that they are earning in the right places to help them with life when they come out of rugby. Um, and I think it's something that the NZRPA are doing pretty well. They seem to be front front loading it quite heavily. Um, and putting people in places and, and making good strategies for these people to help players out. Um, I think all the information's there and it, it's really, really good. Um, obviously, in regards to with the Blues and stuff like that, I think Vic, I think she's phenomenal at her job. She really kind of did everything she could to help the boys out, whether it was people coming in to, to give them um, a few key learnings out of their life stories and stuff like that, or the, if it's professionals within banking or real estate or anything like that that can lend a hand or talk to or um, help the boys out um, with their money or, or careers. Um, but it's also, I think the buy-in from the players has to be there at the same time too. Mm. So it's just, it's a two-way streak. So you can get given all the information, just like leading the horse to water, but it's just wanting to be able to soak it in um, and use those opportunities wisely. And there's a lot of opportunity to meet some pretty successful people around that rugby, um, around what what the PDMs say, you know, using those times for your promotional stuff that you have to do for sponsors and uh, using all that stuff wise 
repeatedly um, PDMs will say. So it's you know net, you know you can do a lot of pretty good network networking while you're playing rugby. Um, mm. You know as I said with the the professional people and the, the those entrepreneurs and big businesses and stuff like that that are that are sponsoring these teams that you do a lot of work for and it's just getting a card or shaking the right hand and showing a bit of interest in what they do for their work and all that sort of stuff that can help you on the back end of your rugby and stuff like that, which even I've myself with my business have dialed into even the short time that I was, you know, within the that environment. Um to get con- contacts and, and and targets and work and stuff like that. So I think it's just understanding that all of those um classes and, and, and all the information you get given is just you just got to be a sponge and just soak it up. Um, but I think the NZRPA are doing pretty awesome things with all the PDMs being there. Especially within Super Rugby, you know, you've got someone there all year round, or all season round, sorry, um, to help you out with any questions and giving you lots of information. So it's, it's pretty good in regards to helping the boys with developing outside of rugby. How are you coping with COVID now? Obviously, like, I've talked to a couple of people that do online business. So online's okay. We're an online business as well. So, you know, we're still able to function. Yet, yeah, yeah you guys, you're out there. You have to... <laughs> You're, oh, yeah. uh, when I was labouring, that's kind of what motivated me to become a rugby player. Because <laughs> I, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> mate, that's why you're bloody professional for so long. It's, um, oh, yeah, it can be hard, mate. It's hard graft. Uh, and it's it's just, yeah, I think, obviously, we couldn't do anything until level three. Mm. Um, and then at that time, too, it's trying to communicate to the guys and, and push the guys to get out to site, too, because not only do they have, like, wage subsidy at that, at that time, which potentially could be a drop in pay, but it's still money coming in. Mm. Um, the, the like, I suppose the the risk of going out and getting COVID, or you know, being in that environment where you could be exposed to it or spread it or something like that, is, is scary at the same time too. So it's, it was trying to get the guys motivated to get back out on site and get back out and earn more money than they would have been getting with a subsidy and all that sort of stuff too. So. Um, it's been it's been pretty tough, I suppose. The, the good thing that has helped is just that obviously your wage subsidies and stuff like that, and that resurgence um, money that was there to help businesses and stuff like that. If you were down on percentage wise of turnover and stuff like that, but mate, yeah, I think it's just it's just coming up with a plan. As soon as you you get to that point with the level three to get the ball rolling it's just having a plan and that downtime and level four and stuff like that so when you do get to hit the ground running you can just yeah really move and 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 try and pull some of those those losses back um we're lucky enough we were, we're online a lot with our uh, registrations and you're quite paperless with all the you know the time sheets and all that sort of stuff with a big driver within um georgia wanted running who company she wanted to be as paperless as possible because it does create it quite hard going from site to site getting timesheets signed and all that sort of stuff you can do everything digitally it makes it a lot easier um so uh yeah but obviously we can't do anything until we're level three so it's just just making a plan and then once we get to level three just really just trying to get as much work pumped out as we could Jeez. um probably that's a good leading to you know it must be high high pressure time too you know and you couldn't. You couldn't uh, obviously run it off. I see you. You bought a new bike or uh, something, uh, a stationary bike. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. Um, so how, how do you, you know, how, how do you cope with um, with that, with the with the pressure of running your business and 
And so, you know, look after, how do you look after your own health and well-being? Um, I, so I think so the big support crew around you helps. Um, being able to talk about it to people is probably a, was a big thing for me. Um, I lean, obviously, on, you know, um, friends and, and family quite a bit in that regard. Um, mate, it's just, it was a bit of a, uh, a tough one, I think, the whole recent lockdown thing, um, especially with the um, not knowing if I was going for rugby too. It was, um, it was, it was just, it was really odd. It's just something I hadn't experienced before, to be fair. Um, so, mate, I think the wife was probably a big part of, of what helped me um, up and down and stuff like that. I think exercise was a big big thing mentally for me which kind of kept me um kept me going as you see i bought that bike and stuff because i broke broke our other one um the pedal bloody blew off the side of that thing um when i was trying to get the last reps and so um the exercise was a big thing for me i think if i hadn't got out the side and had the exercise made i would have been all over the place so um that was something that i kind of really held on to um in, in regards to help with the, the stress and all that sort of stuff um, and the mental side of it was just that I think if I exhausted myself with the physical stuff, then I wouldn't be thinking too much, if you know what I mean, because that's the one big thing. You kind of have a lot of downtime. You have too much time, and you overthink things, and you make out things to be worse than they are. Um, so I think, yeah, the exercise and, and, and being around family and stuff, that really helped. But I don't know. It's, um, mate, Big curveball, as you mm. know, it's a it's a big curveball, and in parts there, mate, I don't really know what to think. Um, but it's just keeping that bloody that little side of that light at the end of the tunnel. I think is the biggest thing that can just keep you moving, and and you yeah, getting around your support crew. Yeah, look, just listening to you um, today, overthinking. Yes, I was part of that. Like you said, we had a lot of things going on just before lockdown, and you start to think, "What was me?" Uh, and then you have to learn to adapt, um, like um, you've shared. Uh, you, as you say, uh, there's a couple of moments where you start to be competitive. So, oh, well, I've done it now. You know, I'm in it. If I'm going to be in it, yeah. I must be in it to win it. 100%. Hey, but you do have those 100%. days where you just, oh, am I in it to win it or am I just in it just because I don't want to do anything else? But I'm a bit like yourself. We've been through these lockdowns a bit now. And this one was probably the hardest just because there was so much going on, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I can't wait till, I don't, I don't know, you know, well, it's virtually like level three, we can go outside and do things. We're pretty fortunate when you talk to other people overseas that have been through it for 18 months and and that. Yeah. It, uh, 100%. Yeah, you just got to keep, I'm a bit like, I've got to go outside and get some fresh air, you know. <laughs> talk my, I talk myself out of things, <laughs> have a good conversation <laughs> with myself, uh, then come back. Oh, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I've sealed that. Yeah. I think I was lucky enough just to, um, my son Hendrix is coming up to uh, next month. So he's kind of at that age where he's just, just mad. You know, he's doing laps around the house. He's kind of up, he's down. He's just wanting to explore. And he's taking everything in, and he's just you know a million miles an hour. So I think he kind of really helped as well, like keep you busy, like because I didn't really have a chance to you don't really have a chance unless he's sleeping mm. um, to kind of just sit down and and think too too much. Obviously you you do think and stuff like that, but um, 
you know, he, he kept us, me and Georgia, pretty busy too, which was I think was pretty helpful. Um, yeah, because he's a, a bit of a mad rooster, so um, that was quite cool. And obviously, you've got your kids and stuff like that. So I think, you know, if you've got things like family stuff around, I just hate to think of I was literally by myself. You know, I think I'm stuck. We've been stuck in this hotel, obviously, with a team and stuff, but I'm in a room by myself. And I just hate to think of what it would have been like in, in, in MIQ for like two weeks by yourself in a hotel room. I'd had been 10 times worse than that lockdown. So, um, yeah, I think it's just seeing those those little uh, silver linings, mate. Yeah. They do keep yeah. you positive and keep you ho- hopeful. Yeah, so true, so true. Were there any uh, mistakes that you can remember that you made um, that, you, that you'd like to share? Um. I th- yeah, there's there's been there's been a couple, mate. Um, I think just uh, kind of with the, the training and, and stuff like that. Um, I think it's just having a, a balance. I think there's parts, especially in my early days, just training and training and training and training. It's all I've kind of known, and um, with the rugby and stuff like that. That I know there's probably a few things I regret that I I didn't do up until now. Um, that uh, I kind of wish I'd have done a little bit more, just even little things, explore things like you're surfing and, um, you know, like I've, I've never been snowboarding before because I was always worried about injury and stuff like that, you know, like I know it's a big thing, but um, it's kind of, I see it as a, as a mistake. No, yeah, I don't know, but I think it's one thing perhaps I, I maybe regret a little bit is just not doing a little, little bit more, a few things outside of that rugby environment and, and work environment. Um, in order to experience things in life a little bit, um, which I'm kind of making up for now. Uh, my wife surfs and stuff like that, so she's pretty much taught me how to swim really. <laughs> and since I've been with her, and now I'm out surfing and all that sort of thing. So um, it's probably a, one thing that I'd, if, if I could redo, I, I would. Um, probably it's been a little bit more balanced in, in regards to the life and, and, and work kind of thing. Um, business. Things uh, I think sometimes I, I you get a little bit ego driven and a little bit um, competitive at the best of times. Sometimes you don't listen to advice. So there's been a couple of times um, I won't go into too heavy a detail. A couple of times where I haven't listened to people I probably should, mm. um, and it has ended up costing me. Um, you know, even if it's just silly things, uh, you know, you listen to the old man or something like that. But um, well, you should have. But uh, yeah, I think. If I'd have listened to a lot of um, information um, and a few key things, maybe and, and not neglected them and be competitive and thinking I know better, then mm. um, I probably would have made a, a few better decisions. But um, there's not too many other things um, in regards to like making huge mistakes that's cost me. Um, except for that, maybe my f- one probably big mistake was playing a game of rugby in my younger day. I wish I hadn't of um, North Harbour and 18s. <laughs> It was a game I'd kind of just got onto the cusp and a bit of a whim of a New Zealand secondary school spot. Yeah. Um, and it was go play for your North Harbour under-18s this weekend or don't, you know, risk kind of injury or risk not. And I ended up fracturing my ankle that week and kind of missed out on the whole um, New Zealand schools kind of mm. gig. So um, that was a big, maybe a big thing, a uh, mistake that I made, which might have changed things a little bit. But, uh, yeah. No regrets, no regrets now, mate. You can't do no. anything about it. Hindsight's a pretty funny thing. So, <laughs> Isn't it? Um, yeah, that's probably one big mistake. I should, probably shouldn't have played that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, it must be because you, you can still remember it, and uh, 
it's funny yeah, you do remember those kind of defining moments, eh? Those uh, yeah. those games. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that yet. As you said before, you learn from them, you move forward, and you know you make the best of what's next. Yeah, hundred percent. Um. So, last question, brother. What advice would you give others uh, when thinking of deciding whether to pursue a sports dream while holding down their own business? Oh, I'll be prepared to be busy. It's probably a big thing. Um, but I think I'd say just go for it, mate. I think if, if you're passionate, if it's something you're passionate about, whether it's a sport or the, the certain type of business that you want to do, um, I'd think just do it. Um, just pull trigger on it. Um, but your biggest thing, I think, is you got to make sure that, you know, for me, it was it's a pretty massive thing. And I think for any sport and uh, any successful business, you just got to make sure you've got the right people around you when you do do it. Um, and then just probably don't try and do just everything by yourself. You know, like if you do have a support crew and you do have uh, teammates around you that you can bounce off and are willing to help you and stuff, then I think you can accomplish anything. Mm. So um, I'd definitely say go for it. Um, be very open to adapting, open to learning things, be a sponge, soak up any information you can to help, but um, definitely have good time management. Uh, um, but yeah, I think if you're going to do it, um, have a good support crew around you. And I think, you know, if you, if you want to do it, just go out and pull trigger. Sounds like that network of people you've got have been a big, uh, a big help to you and, and Georgia obviously has been a big, big help to, yeah. th- to the business as I find with my wife, um, doing everything. I'm good at making coffees at the moment, doing the washing, you know, <laughs> <while> <laughs> in my place, uh, just do what I'm told, but yet I'm learning so much. It's, it's, it's been awesome yet. Uh, I think, yeah, you, you, you feel like a bit of a fish out of water. Um, but that's a good thing. As you said, yeah, that competitive nature starts to, to come forward and, uh, you got to learn that, you know, tell everyone that you're the fish out of the water so someone can help you because, you know, someone might have to put you back in it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. But I think, you know, I think, you know for like to yourself, the competitive nature will, will get you through. Uh, mate, even just at trainings and stuff like that, through bloody the blues stuff, you know, when you're bloody strapping on the boots, you're getting out the back on, <laughs> like young fellas up, mate, you want to back the clock. Jeez, that competitive nature comes through and I just, I, it's just, it's, it's the pleasure to see. And I think it's, Visual see with anyone, and it will get you through, mm. especially the business. Will get you through. Oh, appreciate that, Jordy. Hey, appreciate your time. Hopefully, you're not on the move again, and yeah. uh, you've outrun COVID for for now. <laughs> but we wish you and uh, the Tunnies and yourself all the best, and, and also um, your business with your lovely wife Georgia. And you're doing. You've given to me some real food for thought, uh, and probably some inspiration to just keep going. Um, I do get tough. It does get tough for me sometimes, you know. So um, no, I really appreciate your time for that. You take care, brother. I appreciate it, mate. Thanks for having me on and, and, and all the best with the, the new business venture and, and with the family and stuff. And obviously uh, with the health sale too, mate. Bloody good on you. So um, nah, keep pushing forward. And hey, you're always here for a chat, mate. It's awesome. Thank awesome. you very much. Cheers, Jordy. Cheers, T.